tonight. I have a little, uh, I guess I'll call it a teachable moment for us. That usually means somebody did something wrong, but no, nobody did anything wrong. Um, I say teachable, and I, can, I feel like I can talk about it in the sense that somebody outside of this congregation asked me a question, and since I don't have to worry about embarrassing any one of you, I can keep it anonymous, hopefully. <laughs> it says, I have a question. Is it disrespectful to call an elder or, or call bishop by their first name in any setting? That was the question they asked me. Is it disrespectful to call elder or bishop by their first name in any setting? Now, I could paraphrase this, but I think I just want to read this to you. That way, I'm accountable for what I said. I said, it's very rare that I call Bishop Larry or that I call Elder Hart from Sela Joel. It is only in a setting unrelated to church. And if I am talking about them to someone that knows them as Larry or Joel. For example, here's an example. I ran into one of Elder Hart's old co-workers once. I was in, uh, I think it was this, back in the day when there was a, still a Sprint store. And she was wearing a WSECU WS jacket. I thought, I wonder if she knows him. And so I didn't say, do you know Elder Hart from Sela? No, I said, do you know Joel Hart from WSECU? And yes, she did. There's an example for you. And in the conversation, I better read before I get in trouble. For example, I ran into one of Elder Hart's old co-workers once, and she kept referring to him as Joel, so I called him Joel to her in that conversation. Right? We're talking about him. I'm referencing him. Yeah, Joel is a good guy. Yeah, Joel's very friendly. I've known Joel for 20... It still seems weird to me, even in that context. But if I say Elder Hart to her, especially initially, she won't know who I'm talking about. But... To them directly, I don't call them by their first names. When I'm talking to Elder Laksamana, I call him Miko, usually, because I've known him as brother-in-law for much longer than I've known him as elder. But when I talk about him to the church, I try to call him Elder Miko or Elder Laksamana. Or when I'm talking to him in front of the church or others from the congregations, I, I do that. So I would say it depends on a couple of things. Your personal relationship with them and the setting that you're in. Our brother Hart, uh, I call him everything. I knew him when he was younger than some of my kids. And he wasn't brother Hart then. He was Joey. So to me, he's still Joey, but to us, he's Brother Hart, Elder Hart, Brother Joel, whatever you 
uh, would call him in a place uh, of respect. Now, then I, I, I felt it, and at first I thought, this person doesn't need to hear all my personal feelings. But they responded, so I responded back. And I said, we will never feel like you have done something wrong by doing that, calling somebody an elder or bishop by their first name. We, you know, I don't want you to think, oh, I, I blew it. I can't be part of Life Church anymore because they think I'm whatever. We won't feel like you've done something wrong. It's out of respect both for them as individuals and for their office of spiritual authority that I do not refer to them by their first names. Just imagine it. All right, Larry, come on up here and greet this congregation. It wouldn't work. I will say, now this is where I was going in my mind and in my spirit that I didn't know I was going to go, but I did. Now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share this with you uh, as my feelings. I will say, a lot of churches have taken a much more casual approach in the last few years calling pastors by their first names like Pastor Caleb. Even that doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't sound right. That is something I would never be comfortable with. If you keep calling me Pastor Caleb, probably eventually I'm going to say, it just makes me feel weird. You're, not, you're still not doing anything wrong, but it makes me feel weird. And I'm not going to ask you to call me that. Certainly. That is something I would never be comfortable with. In my opinion, keywords in my opinion, it is not as respectful to the individual or to the office, but it has become the cool thing to do, the relatable thing to do. I'm sure you have heard that from other churches in other settings. I still wouldn't say that it is wrong biblically, but it does not sit right with me. right now you can stand with me there was your teachable moment I'm still trying to get used to being called elder honestly um, but I want to give you the opportunity to acknowledge the leadership that we are all under and the authority that we are under amen Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I'm thankful to you, Jesus, that we get to be here in your presence, that we get to feel your spirit here, God, and that we get to fellowship with you and with this body. God, I give you praise. You are so good to me. I thank you, Jesus, for your goodness to me. I thank you for your love, Father. You are excellent, Jesus. You are perfect in every way, Jesus. There is nothing at all, God, that could be changed about you. You are awesome. You are powerful. All of your ways are sure. All of your ways are perfect, God. You are holy, Jesus. You are awesome, Lord. You deserve our praise. You deserve our worship. 
God, you are so wonderful. God, you are so wonderful. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I honor you. God, I honor you. I give you praise. You are worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let your, let your spirit have its way, God. Let your spirit have its way tonight, Jesus. Let it flow. Let it minister. Let it speak, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to do one more thing. Just stay standing, if you would, for a moment. Um, Brother and Sister Escobar, they're getting ready to leave right past midnight. Brother Dean's going to drive them over. Thank you, Brother Dean, for driving them over to the airport. But I want you to come up here so we can pray for you. Uh, I felt this very specifically from the Lord today. What to pray, for us to pray as the congregation. They're going to San Antonio, right? That area, the surrounding area. Um, they've got lots of family and friends that are there that they've known for many years. I'm amazed because it's like half of those people are in Yakima or have been or came from here or moved here. Every time they talk to me, oh yeah, we know him from Texas. Then how did I see him Sunday? But they got, they've got these um, connections. I believe they're divine connections. What I feel to pray, for us to pray tonight, is for the spirit of truth to minister. Wherever you're going. I know, you, I know you've got a church family there that are in truth. And I, I know that there are also some that maybe don't know truth or all the way truth. What I feel for us to pray as the congregation, again, is that when they go on this trip, that the spirit of truth would minister. I was thinking about that because when the Lord told me, I thought, Lord, you're everywhere. You're omnipresent. He said, yeah, I am. But you know that the spirit of truth is not operating everywhere in every circumstance. Well, that's true. I can't argue with that. So pray that the spirit of truth would be allowed to operate and minister while they're in churches, while they're in homes, while they're in cars, while they're in, I don't know if they got taco trucks down there. Wherever you are. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Hart, Brother Mays, if you would, come help me pray for them and, and the whole congregation. I want you to pray um, for this specifically. Amen. Let's all pray.
Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to let them greet us before we move on. Hi, brothers and sisters. What I wanted to I just wanted to say, um, first I want to say, if we have done anything to y'all, please forgive us. We're not perfect. We're human. We love you. I know we go on this trip. And man, I love y'all with all my heart. My prayers is with y'all. And we're going to miss y'all. You continue praising God, worship. And remember, I love y'all. Yeah. Nobody has done anything wrong. In case you know, we have to repent every day because we don't know what we did or whatever. But uh, we know that all of y'all love us and that y'all are praying for us. And we thank y'all for that. And uh, we're not departing from this place. We're just going over there for a while and back. And we will be back. God willing, we will. And thank you all for everything. God bless you. We love Brother and Sister Escobar. Amen. I am thankful. I'm thankful for their witness to this congregation and their ministry. Praise God. Would you turn in the Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. It says, Beloved, think it not strange. Somebody say strange. Somebody say it's not strange. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. That's a double phrase. The trial is to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. How many times do we think that something going wrong means we did something wrong? It's not, that's not what it means. Uh, over the weekend, I shared with you a message that Elder Laksamana spoke a few weeks ago. Uh, some of you, I'm sure, have had a chance to listen to that. But in there, he was referencing uh, Paul and the fact that he was shipwrecked. And then on the island, he built a fire. And then a snake jumped out and bit him. And all of, everybody around said, this guy must really be guilty. Because if the storm didn't get him and the shipwreck didn't get him and the ocean didn't get him, then the snake's going to get him. That's really, I think, just kind of our human nature to think, 
Well, I promise you, you can look through these notes, and the word I'm about to say is nowhere in here. But some people think there's this thing called karma. And that if something bad happens to you, it's because you did something bad. Well, not only is it not in my notes, it's not in the Bible. And what is in the Bible that Peter says is, it's not a strange thing when you go through a trial. And I'm using the term trial synonymous with something bad happened to you. I'm not over-spiritualizing this to say, oh, the devil's got my number. He made my phone die when the battery was at 21%. <laughs> no, don't over-spiritualize something to that degree and say, somebody, nature's out to get me. The world's out to get me. The devil's out to get me. Whatever, because something went wrong. No. Think it not strange when there is a trial that tries you as though some strange thing happened to you. There is nothing, hear me please right now, there is nothing that's going to happen to you that's outside of the control of the Lord. If you are under his hand, under his covering, under his protection, nothing's going to happen to you that he would not allow. If you believe that, say amen. I told my kids I use that phrase sometimes. Amen. But rejoice. <laughs> now we have a two-part instruction not just don't think it's strange but do rejoice that means when the phone dies when it was at 21 percent lord i thank you for that i'm trying to do the math in my head 89 79 percent that i got to enjoy I'm rejoicing because I had a phone that worked for the last five weeks or whatever. Rejoice when the trial comes. Rejoice. Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Christ's sufferings. If you get to participate in Christ's suffering, you ought to be thankful. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. The glory that is revealed, that is Christ, is far greater than any suffering that you might go through. Would you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11? Second Corinthians 11, verse 
23. Now Paul, who we just talked about a little bit, he says this, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. That's an interesting thing that he doesn't say much in the Bible. Usually when he's talking, he's serious. Well, he's still serious, but he's, he's kind of rhetorical in a sense. Maybe even sarcastic in a sense with what he's about to say. And what he's kind of already said in this chapter. Because Paul is saying, I've been some places and I've gone through some things. I've got experience. So when somebody starts talking about their experience, I don't have a problem getting up and saying, I've got experience too. Are they ministers of Christ? I am more. You get why he had to put that little phrase in there, I speak as a fool. Because it wasn't his real true personality to go around saying, I'm more of a minister than you are. I'm better than you at this thing. I've got it nailed down. I know what I'm doing. No, that's not at all his real character. But he's trying to prove a point here. I am more. In labors, more abundant. My works are more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often. How many times have you almost died? How, maybe once. Okay, some of you might have had a little episode here or there. You know what? Often, 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 I'm in death. I mean, almost everywhere I go, somebody's trying to kill me. So don't talk to me about that little day you didn't want to get up and leave the house. You know, you see why he says, I, I speak as a fool. Now, he's not saying these things are not true. He's just saying, understand the nature, understand the tone that I'm sharing these things with you. In death, often. Next verse. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes save one. What does that mean? On five different occasions, they whipped me to the point of death and then didn't hit the final death blow. Five times. By who? Five times. Next verse. Thrice. How many times is that? Three. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. They literally tried to kill me with rocks. Thrice. I suffered shipwreck three times. (laughs) Are they ministers? Are they ministers? How many shipwrecks have they been through for the gospel? Who who here has been shipwrecked four times? Anybody? Four. But you survived all four of them. No? Okay, then I got the lead. Three. 
Who here has been beaten 39 times, four times? If you have, I've had five. Let's see the stripes. Let's compare. This is Paul. A night and a day I have been in the deep. That means in the ocean without a boat. I've, I've been in the ocean, no boat, all night and all day. Next verse. In journeyings, often, I travel. In perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of mine own countrymen, perils by the heathen. <laughs> Does anybody get the picture yet? Paul's saying, I got a rap sheet. I've been around. I've gone through some things. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Go to verse 27. In weariness and painfulness, this is my life. This is the life I've gone through for the gospel's sake. Weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often. Now, I've heard this said, and if you'll allow me just quickly, the difference in fasting and hunger. One is by choice. One is... You would eat if there was food to eat. You probably had this conversation with your kids before. You're not hungry. You just want, you just want cereal. You're not hungry. You just want... Well, that's not really hungry. He's saying, there's been times I've fasted, and I just said, there's food there, but I'm not going to eat. And then there was other times that I was hungry, and I said, if there was food there, I would eat it, because I'm sure not fasting. But there's just nothing to eat. How, how frequently? Often. In cold and nakedness. Verse 28. Beside those things that are without. That which cometh upon me daily. The care of all the churches. Now he says everything that I just described to you. The beatings, the shipwrecks, the hunger, all of those things are circumstances that others have put upon me. But also, beside those things, it's what's inside me. When he says, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all, somebody say all, all of the churches. Now he wrote this letter to Corinthians. Corinth, that's one church, or the churches in Corinth, but then all the other churches. Understand, imagine what it must be like to go through every day of your life thinking, how's that church doing? How's that church doing? How's this church doing? How's that? I'm responsible for them. 
the care of them. If something, yeah, they can, we, we've set, the Lord sets up authority structures to help so that I don't have to, you know, go knock on somebody's door and say, why weren't you at church today? But the care of the churches, I have that put upon me by the Lord. Somebody say, this is Paul. Verse 29. Who is weak? Who is weak? And I am not weak. It's kind of like saying, oh, you got a hangnail on your pinky toe. Well, I lost my arm. Who's weak? Am I not weak? Who is offended? <laughs> Who is mad about that bad day they had three years ago that upset them that one time? And I burn not. I see such, such a stark contrast between this man and I'll just say it this way a lot of us because I'm not throwing you all under the bus I read this in my Bible for me oh Lord not today let me have an easy day why does that person keep calling me? Why do, they, why do I have to deal with that situation? Why is that one thing still lingering over me? Who is offended? And I burn not, Paul says. It, it, <laughs> if you want to, and if you're wise about it, if you're wise about it, use this the next time somebody says, I got offended one time. I'm not telling you you can go around and just throw stuff at people's face, okay? Understand the difference. But how, okay, show of hands. I don't normally do this. It makes my wife uncomfortable. But show of hands. How many of you have heard somebody say, oh, they got hurt at a church one time? Almost all of us have heard that said. They had a bad experience. Oh, uh, how many days were they in the ocean? With no boat? That is a bad experience. No, no, I, I mean like that, you know, the guy that always shakes everybody's hand, he didn't shake their hand for like three weeks. That's a bad experience. They don't want to come back to church anymore. Or whatever. You fill in the blank. I, uh, bad things happen, yes. We can go all the way back to where we started. The trials, bad things will happen. That's a part of it. Think it not strange like you did something wrong and now you're getting repaid. And think it not strange like God didn't protect me. And then verse 30, he says, If I must needs glory, 
I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. I don't go around telling everybody about all that stuff. I just go around telling everybody I'm a weak, frail person trying to be like Christ. Genesis chapter 50. I'm not going to take the time to read through this whole story, but you know the story of Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers. Genesis chapter 50 verse 19. Go th you go through that whole story until he is in the palace saving Egypt from famine and his brothers come to him saying, we need something from you. We need food. We're going to die. Our lives are literally in your hands. Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Now, understand, he doesn't mean, I'm God. No, I'm in the place God wants me to be. All of that that I went through, the years in here and the years in there, all that I went through it was to get me into the place of God, where God wants me to be. Verse 20, I know you've heard this verse. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. We, 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 we sing this song, and you probably heard it for you. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. Well, I'm, I'm good with that, but I'm also seeing in the Scripture, it's not like, oh, the bad guy gets to do all the bad things, but then the Lord can turn it. Like, oh, let me get control of this ship again. Uh, turn it. No. God meant, God meant what happened for good. God meant it unto good. You thought evil against me. You did throw me in that hole on purpose. You did consider killing me intentionally and then you decided we won't kill him but we'll just end his life here you did that on purpose but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive I wish I could just do a really really quick you know those like those like time-lapse rewinds take Joseph from that day all the way back through the years in the prison in the palace all the way back to the days with his brother the pit the slavery the days with his brothers go all the way back to before any of that happened and the Lord gave him a dream as a young boy. And the dream was not 
years in prison. The dream was not hunger, slavery. The dream was the sun and the stars bowed to me. And then the other one, your sheaves of wheat bowed to mine. I don't know what any of this means, but I don't think it's going to take a detour through jail. Somebody say this phrase, some assembly required. You ever bought something that says that on the box? If you are like me, you do not throw away that box until that thing is all the way built and looks just like it does on the box. Because when you're pulling things out, I don't know what that is, but I'll probably need it. I'm not sure what this is, but it doesn't look like that. And you got a pile of stuff, parts, tools, tiny little screws that, you know, if you lose one, the whole thing's going to fall over. Assembly. What is assembly? Putting one thing where it goes, then grabbing the next thing, putting it where it goes. Yes. Step one is not complete the product. Go home and enjoy. No. Step one is make sure you got all the tools. Oh, I hate that. I hate that with a passion. Make sure you're not missing any. What if I am? Put it all back in. Tape it up. Sorry, I was missing uh, that, that one thing. <laughs> no. Get some confidence in your product, please. And take that line out. You will, you will not be missing anything. Sorry. Flashbacks. PTSD. I put together too many bunk beds. No, step one is you take this one little thing and you put it right there. I can hold that in my hand. It's not a bunk bed. Kids are not going to sleep on this. Especially more than one. <laughs> but you get all the way through all the steps. And then you've got the finished product. What if I told you you're on about step D of A through Z? That would make a lot more sense, right? Oh, that's why I'm going through this. That's why there's this trial. That's why there's that. And then you get into the P's and the Q's and you're like, oh, I'm getting a whole lot closer. But I'm still not a finished product yet. 
step Z is the finished product. I don't know about you, but I haven't met a whole lot of step Z Christians in my lifetime. Maybe a few. And they weren't around much longer after they reached that step. I don't know why that happens. But it's, be, it's because the longer you live on this earth, the more steps there are going to be to put you together. The longer you live for God, the more you realize... Oh, here's another one. Oh, here's another one. You put together that car, that little kid's car that's plastic and, you know, it's harder than anything, but you don't know how it's going to go down the sidewalk. And you finally got it put together and it's rolling. And then the kids bring you a giant page of stickers. You ever seen that? I just spent two hours doing this. I don't feel like playing with stickers right now. But look at the box. It's got the eyeballs there. And it's got the numbers over here. And it's got... That door is not going to be any more of a door when I put a yellow sticker on it. Look. No, it needs a sticker. What am I telling you this for? Because you don't know what step you are at right now. And you don't know when you will become a finished product. Paul, uh, how, how many beatings do you think Paul was through when he thought, is this going to be the last one? How many more of these? Think about the second time he was shipwrecked. I've been here before, guys. The third time he's shipwrecked. This is old news. You take that and you hold on to it and you'll make it. I got experience. The problem, here, here I see a lot of this. We get about halfway through a process and we think, that's good enough. I can work with that. When we moved last year, the last thing to get put together was a bookshelf in the boys' room. And it was a bookshelf long before it was a bookshelf. Because I got about halfway through it and I thought, you can put something on that. It's not done. But you can put something on that. And we put, we, in our Christian life, we think, well, I can carry something. I can function a little bit. I can do some work. So I think I'll stop right here. I know there's a whole other box of stuff over there and it needs more assembly. And it would make me complete... But I think I'm just going to stop right now. I'm comfortable with the load 
that's on me right now. The Bible says, let us go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundations, repentance to dead works, baptism, all those foundational things. We don't just live there and work on that and keep working on that and keep working on that and keep working on that. No, let us leave. That's the word that the scripture uses. Let us therefore leave those principles and go on unto perfection. You can stand with me. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. You can be, hear, hear this, you can be functional in the kingdom of God and not be finished yet. That's kind of like good news, bad news, right? Good news, you're functional. You're doing things. You're productive. I don't call it bad news. It's also good news. But you're not done yet. You will be more than this. Uh, I just, wow. I can think of numbers of people. And I'm not saying I'm any better than that because me and them are both still on this earth and the Lord can work through us both and has more work to be done through us both. But I can think of so many people that they reach, we call it a plateau, they reach a level in their walk with the Lord, in their relationship with God, and they think, I never thought I would be this good of a Christian. I think I'll just stay here. What did it say about Lot? He chose the well-watered plains. Jordan, is that right? That looks easy. That looks comfortable. That looks like I could stay there a while or even the rest of my life. I can stay there. The moment you get into that place, you stop working on yourself. The assembly takes a halt. I'm good here. I want to stay here. And then, I talked about this before, I'm not going to go back into it, but the elements of this world will just start to rot you, decay you. That's a lie. You can't just stay there. You can't just stay in that comfort zone. You can't, mm -mm, you can't do it. Why do you think we call it a walk with God and not a sit down with God?
Because the Lord is leading us. He's leading us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're leading me through that valley. Not because, oh, I guess I'm stuck here. At least I got the Lord. No. He's leading us through. I think I referenced this before. But I heard a song as a kid, and we sang it in Sunday school. He's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be. Would you close your eyes with me and pray? I feel the Lord is speaking to us, and He wants... He's got things that he knows he wants to do in our lives. He's got things he knows he wants to do. If it were up to him, he would start that next step of assembly. If it was up to him, he would start that next process. But I'm stuck here at this step. Or I'm not willing to move. Or I'm not interested in a change. Or I don't want to become anything different than what I am right now. Jesus, work on me, I pray. Jesus, work on me, I pray. Do your work in my life, Lord Jesus. I want to walk with you, Lord. I want to be led by you, Jesus. God, I'm not interested in just a comfortable life. God, I'm not looking for an easy way or to stop work. God, I want to walk with you. I want your work done through my life. Come on, with your eyes closed, why don't you just pray to the Lord right now? Keep praying to the Lord. He's going to help some of us through offenses. He's going to help some of us through bad attitudes. He's going to help some of us through pain of the past that we've allowed to hold us back. We've allowed to keep us stagnated instead of walking and progressing forward with the Lord. Come on, all things are possible. All things are possible with the Lord. He can pick you up. He can clean you off. He can put you back to work. I, I want to say something here. Have you ever noticed this? I'm sure you have. A new Christian comes into the kingdom of God. When I was a thing, it was, it was a common phrase. New convert zeal. You ever heard that before? New convert. Wow, they're acting like they're going to change everything. They're acting like they're going to be different. They're acting like they're going to pray 25 hours a day and fast eight days a week. And then, put some days, some weeks, some months, some years on that. 
Oh, they're like one of us. Imagine. You, you get that thing out of the box. I'm so excited. I can't wait to have this new thing. Oh, I'm so excited. I get to use it. I'm, it's going to be so new to me, and I love it. And then you see all the assembly, and you're working, and you're, okay, it's good. I, I can put this thing together because it's going to be so good for me. And then you get a little bit further into that process, and you're like, I don't even know if I really want this thing as bad as I thought I did because of how much work it's taking me to put it together. They're not different. It's the same thing. We get into the kingdom of God and we see He can make me new. He can make me holy. He can make me righteous. That's awesome. Where do I sign? You sign right here. And then you sign here tomorrow. And then you sign here the day after that. And the next day. You keep signing. Because he, oh, Lord, I wish I could preach this. He's not going to make you righteous in one day and send you on your way. Congratulations, you've made it to righteousness. You got here. Now you stay here or you leave. There is no There is no easy bake Christian Now There are some places that would tell you the easy bake way you just do this. Just do that. Just say this. Just say that. And you made it. I've said this many times. I'm interested in what the Bible says. And I, I'm still learning it. I'm still learning it. The more I read it, the more I learn it. The more I pray it, the more I learn it. The more I try to live it, the more I learn it. It's a whole lot easier to go get a flyer from somebody. Oh, this is all condensed down into one prayer. Awesome. I'll just pray this. Oh, tomorrow I'll just pray it again. I can do that in like 20 seconds. That sounds like my speed. That's what I'm after. I'm after the Word of God. Because I'm after the Lord. I want the Lord. Do you want the Lord? Let's pray. Jesus, my desire is you, God. My desire is to have you, Lord. To have the truth, Lord Jesus. To have all of the truth, Lord I know that this world, God, has picked it apart and tried to just share bits and pieces and, and call that the truth. Lord, but your whole word is truth. Everything you are is truth. Everything you say is truth. 
Every place you lead me to, God, is truth. The Holy Ghost will lead me and guide me into all truth. God, I don't just want some truth. I don't just want a day's worth of truth. I want all truth, God. And I can only get it by the Holy Ghost leading me. I can only get it by being led by the Holy Ghost into all truth. Take my hand, Lord, and lead me, I pray. Jesus, take my hand and lead me, I pray. Come on, he said it. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. I want the whole truth, Lord. I want the whole truth, Lord. Whatever it means to my life, whatever it means, changes that I've got to make, I want the whole truth, Lord. Whatever plans of mine that it might mess up, I still want the whole truth, Lord. My desire is for you, Jesus, to have the truth, to know it, God. Do this work in my life, Lord. Whatever you have to do, I pray. Whatever you have to do, Lord. Why don't we make this a prayer for the spirit of truth to prevail, not only in our lives, but in those around us. For the word of truth to be spoken and shared and to reach. There are those that have not heard this word. There are those that don't know this word of truth, this spirit of truth. God, I pray, let it minister. Let it go forth, Lord Jesus. Let the word of truth be shared, God. Let it be shared by us, Lord Jesus. Let us be witnesses, O God. Those that would share the word of truth, Lord. God, in the name of Jesus, let that invitation go forth, I pray. Let it go forth, I pray, in the name of Jesus. God, those that are looking for answers, those that are looking for truth, those that want to know the Word of God, uh, whether they really know that's the thing they need or not, God, I pray, let it be sent by us. Let it be carried by us, Lord Jesus. 
The word of truth, God, is what we long for. The spirit of truth to minister and to make whole. God, that's what we long for. Brother Timothy, you can stop our stream. I'm not going to keep you a whole lot longer.